Hi everyone, today is a new day and you're a part of it. Join me, Dr. Megs, for short stories and quick tips to boost your mood and your productivity. This is the PGH Dreamers Pod. Hi everyone and welcome to the PJ Streamers pod. Our path continues today as we speak with local entrepreneurs, creators, and thinkers who are doing big things in the Pittsburgh area. Our guest today is Shana Simmons. Shana is the artistic director of Shana Simmons Dance, a company with a passion to, to create unique and engaging contemporary dance through immersive productions. Shana is a movement artist who creates immersive dance theater works that have a heavy focus on research as practice. Each thematic movement exploration roots itself in studio tasks related to socially relevant topics, taking into consideration the physical and emotional experience of the dancer as a response to the experimentation. Her work aims to engage the viewer in thoughtful ways, encouraging active participation and absorbing them into the piece as part of the final meaning of the work. Shana Simmons dance projects rely heavily on partnerships and outreach to explore topics relevant to our community at large with a heavy focus on the integration of movement and education. They also collaborate with other companies and choreographers, providing collaborative platforms for cultural dance styles to be accessed and has performed their works in New York, Belgium, London, Chicago, and of course, Pittsburgh. Welcome to the pod, Shana. Thank you so much for allowing me to be here. Absolutely. So let's start off today with what I like to call breaking ground. Just a few quick questions to get us kicked off, break the pavement. Are you up for that? Absolutely. All right. First question. Do you have a morning ritual? Uh, yes and no. My mornings uh, vary. So I definitely don't have the same morning every single day of the week. But yes, as far as I roll, well, first I snuggle with my dog for a little <laughs> bit because that's when he's on his good behavior. And then I go downstairs and I make some coffee and then I usually come upstairs and start to get the shower going and everything like that. Yeah. And that's pretty much it. And then I'll either focus for a few hours on some computer business work, or I will probably be going to the studio for teaching or rehearsal. So nice, nice. And I know we'll talk a lot more about that. So question two, do you have a favorite book or author or both? I haven't read her for a while, but Tracy Chevalier was actually one of my favorite authors for a really long time there, especially when I was living in New York City. Her works just, they focus on historical art pieces hmm. and develop this kind of, uh, you know, Girl with a Pearl Earring is one of oh, her books, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, which I've never seen the movie. It's just beautifully written. And I just think it's intriguing to create this fictional work surrounded by something that's a historical art piece. So, All right. Question three, how do you keep your body and mind healthy? healthy, which we sort of know, but tell our listeners more. I think for myself, and this is not the case for a lot of dancers out there, I, I don't think, um, but balance is super important to me. And it's always kind of been the way that I find myself being inspired more or more creative or just healthier and happier. So I go through seasons where I am intensely focused on dance and movement and creation, and then I take time off. And that is not typical for a dancer. Um, it's just always kind of been how I've lived my life. So that's kind of one way. And then also 
you know, just watching what you eat, you know, really starting to focus on, especially I'm over 40. <laughs> so uh, trying to focus more on, you know, fruits and vegetables, watching the red meat intake, all that kind of stuff. It's difficult and challenging sometimes because all of those things are more expensive. So again, it's trying to figure out how you can balance your wealth with what you put in your body. But yeah, I think that's kind of the general gist of all of it. Yeah. And I th find it very interesting. Yes, you, your downtime. I couldn't be more intrigued by that. And I really want to dive into that in a little bit. But, you know, I feel like, yes, it's go, 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 no matter what field you're in. And even more so when you're using your body on a daily basis, I almost feel like you need the refresh button. You need yeah. the reset button. So that's really awesome that you put that into practice. Very cool. <laughs> and if you could describe yourself with one word, what would it be? A conundrum. <laughs> I want to dive into that too. <laughs> Why do you say that? <laughs> uh, because uh, going back to, I don't think I have the typical dancer mindset. I, I didn't train as a dancer until I was 18. And then I went full force into it. So, it, you know, 18 years of not really training in dance, which again, is really not typical for a dancer, I think set me up for that. And I like things that are outside of the artist's practice. I know a lot of artists that are fully invested in everything, which they should be, everything that their art form, you know, entails. And you really dedicate your entire being and life to this one kind of thing that we are all striving for. Mm -hmm. But I am weird in that I like football and I like, you know, weird yeah, things that like, wow. yeah, are really antithesis to the arts practices. So um, yeah, that's just why I feel like, and I'm also, you know, I'm really positive and then I'm like really different, like, but uh, yeah, you know, it's just the, this oppositional nature, I think sometimes that exists within me. So Sure, sure. And it's good that you you have that awareness too. And you can laugh about yourself a little bit, you know, laugh at yourself and just roll with it. Like, yeah. Okay. Now that our listeners got to know you a little bit, let's start by talking about your journey. So can you give us your background, maybe leading us from when you were a kid through school to where you are now with Shana Simmons Dance? Basically, how, how did you pave your own way? So I didn't start training. My mom was a dancer in the Pittsburgh dance community. Um, so I've always been around dance. So that was a major influence on my sure. growing up and childhood. And But I didn't want to dance. So I never really trained. I would take a dance class maybe for like a few weeks or a couple months, and then I would quit. I did a lot of sports in high school. I randomly did dance team for two years. So I got a foundation of like tricks and turns and stuff underneath me, but I still did not go to classes ever. So I went to college thinking I would go into PR and communications and realized I did not have a passion for that after attending a few seminars. So it's you know, important to go out and understand what the workforce is and what the reality of what you're going to do in your adult life, you know, as you're going through those kind of collegiate post high school years. Um, and so then I was like, oh, actually, I took a random dance class as an elective. And I figured out my passion was figuring out how my body moves through space anatomically and kind of analytically. So I transferred, went to Point Park University. I graduated with a BA in dance. I moved to New York City. I piddled around there for four and a half years trying to make my way. It's a super shock, I think, if you move to New York and don't have a clear vision or don't immediately know what you're going to do for money. 
can be very challenging. I started dancing and, or sorry, I started teaching for the National Dance Institute founded by Jacques Dembois, which is an amazing school program. And that was, became a huge passion for me. And then I decided I wanted to further my education. I moved to London. I was in London for two years, dancing, choreographing, studying. I got a master's in choreography from Laban. So uh, Rudolf von Laban's approach is very analytical in process. It's also very immersive or can be. So a lot of my choreographic styles became actually about the viewer, not necessarily about the dancers, even though they're important. And yeah, then I moved back to Pittsburgh in 2010. I wanted to continue creating work. So I started applying for funding and we started doing projects here in Pittsburgh in 2012. Our projects have a very wide range of what they entail. So the first project was a building takeover called Relative Positions. It involved multidisciplinary artists from vocal arts to music to visual and they all kind of encompassed a room in this building and it was two acts. So it would rotate. And that was our first production. So it wasn't even a full on dance thing that we were doing. And then we did some more choreographic structures of dance manifestations. We went to the National Aviary, did a project called Passenger, had to do with the extinction of the passenger pigeon. Then we did uh, Objective Eye, which incorporated a New York City-based company. And we explored this idea of editing and choreography, which is a really controversial topic because choreographers feel very passionately that their voice is, you know, the strongest component. And if someone else is to mess with it, it kind of changes the work. So anyway, point being, we've done uh, works on mental health, 2018, very awesome. The Missing Piece, it was called. Uh, collaborative work with three choreographers. We've worked recently in VR and filming in 360. So that was called the Virtual Dance Exchange Project, which was four collaborators. And then now for show involving Katak Dance. So SSD's projects have also provided platforms for these cultural dance forms to really kind of investigate how the intersection of contemporary dance and something that's not contemporary dance can intersect and be seen. Nice. Nice. So I have a couple of questions. I mean, starting later in life with dance at 18, you said, I mean, I find it fascinating that you were able to get into a well-known art school and pursue a degree. So you obviously had it in your bones. And maybe that was because of, you know, your genetic traits from your mother and the passion there. But like, I guess full force changing straight to dance was it sort of a shock to you to your system like wow I you know why didn't I think of this I don't know 10 years ago or was it just like oh this was my calling all along and I'm I'm cool with it rolling with it yeah that's a great question I for me I it was absolutely a no-brainer and that was my calling all along it was like mm -hmm. one of the, I've always said like it's one of the if not, well, aside from maybe marrying my husband, but <laughs> it was one of the only decisions in my life that felt extremely natural and I never second guessed it. I might be second guessing it now, <laughs> but, you know, it really, and, and even jumping into, I, I totally agree. I do think that there is a level of physical, I, I want to say the word talent, but talent isn't quite the right, right word. I think there is a genetic disposition possibly in certain individuals that you have an ability, which can be musicality. It can be a uh, turnout. It can be uh, just natural flexibility. It can be just be strength, like all these things that encompass what a dancer needs. And we all have other things that we need to work on. But I think whenever, yes, I got into Point Park, how, how did I do that? I have no idea. But what they what they told me, you know, was that it, it, I was a blank slate. 
So Ah, a lot of the times in auditions, you know, especially when you're auditioning for a program, they do see potential. It's not necessarily what you're coming in with. Mm -hmm. And I've seen dancers go even currently through the Point Park program and go from, as I had them as a freshman, then I see them dancing as a senior, their transformation is amazing. You know, they're very Um, very moldable. Yes, exactly. Yep. And so you can't always look at where they're at. It's like where they could potentially get to. Very cool. And my other question I got to see, uh, was it Missing Piece? Yeah, yeah. Several years ago. And I'm telling you what, Shane, I brought tears to my eyes. And after that, you know, I've been like a huge supporter and fan of you guys. I just want to know what is the inspiration behind some of these really complex and deep topics that you go after? Is Are these just things that you find very near and dear to the heart? Or are you inspired by others? Or how do you come up with these themes? I think it's a couple of things. So the missing piece in particular, I think one reason, I mean, I I agree, I think it was a very strong work. And one reason is because all three choreographers were rooted in friendship and collaborating, like we've been dancing together for a while. But each of those topics that we dealt with, which for those of you that don't know, it was a show about Alzheimer's disease, uh, suicide prevention, and uh, struggles with self-identity. And we formulated it into a one hour long production with the idea that, um, and it was very interactive with the audience as well. So they were consistently engaged, having to write something on a piece of paper, and then they were given something at the end and all these things. It was about community support. So the similarity we found between these causes that each choreographer had already developed a piece, a solo, a duet, you know, whatever had happened beforehand about this topic. And then we expanded those works so we had already, and they were all personal stories to, to us. And then we discussed these commonalities and differences. But in general, you know, sometimes the projects kind of, I just get wind of, hey, you might be interested in this. And then the more I research it, the more I become passionate about it, because it is about investigation into any of these topics. You know, you might have a very personal experience with something. But then sometimes it's just a person falls into your life, a collaborator might fall into your life, and then you go down this road together. So it's just, you know, the editing and dance thing. It was an article that was online that was shared. I read it. I thought that was very interesting. And then we explored it. So, you know, it it just kind of sometimes it's like something just falls into your path. And then other times it's something because, you, you know, it comes from within you that you've experienced. So. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the topics that you've pursued are just so, I mean, very far reaching. And they a lot of people can relate. And it's just so different. Um, I guess I've not seen a whole lot of that in this area. So I really think you're a pioneer in the Pittsburgh region doing things like this, for sure. Oh, thank you. I need a little (laughs) teacher. I agree. So you mentioned something that you're currently working on. So um, what's to come in the future? Do you have big plans for Shane Simmons dance? The vision is huge, Megan. I love <laughs> will we Will we get there? I don't know. But <laughs> yes, I definitely am a visionary. Not that I have all of the answers of how to complete this vision, but I do see Shana Simmons dance as being a kind of a an umbrella term for three different tiers um, or branches. One being the performance branch, which would be creative work that myself, that I put into it, that We work with collaborators, all of those kinds of things would fall under that. The second one is I would, I've I've had a passion for trying to bring the National Dance Institute programming into the Pittsburgh area in some sort of way. 
whether that be through after school programming or, you know, in school programming. So that's one thing that I'm, I've been trying to develop. Then the pandemic kind of hit so that, you know, stopped for a bit. We're currently trying to do that again. And then um, the third branch would be, you know, housing a space that encompasses multiple dance forms for all kind of all the collaborators that I've been working with. So just to have one building that has a variety of technique and cultural aesthetics that house in one building. On top of that, I would really like to set aside some tech space for that space to house some technology and dance which is kind of a very new exploration that's happening in the world right now. And I don't know that there's any really accessible to the public spaces that have motion capture technology that have experts in filming in 360. I don't even know if anyone's really an expert in that right now because it's so unexplored, but to have cameras available for people to explore with and workshops available and stuff like that. So that's also something that I've been thinking about. Nice. Very cool. Yes. You're again, you're the pioneer. You're you're pushing forward on things that are just, you know, starting to scratch the surface. So that's really, really cool. Yeah. Nice. So, I mean, from what it sounds like, you found your passion in college and you, you studied abroad and you got all these other wonderful experiences under your belt before you dove headfirst into this is my company and this is what I'm doing with my life. So for people out there that are listening that I call dreamers, what advice would you give them about pursuing a passion to the utmost form and creating a, a company, a, a legacy around that? I, I read that question. I didn't think <laughs> about it. I've been listening to a lot of podcasts recently, which I actually have never done before, but I'm at a stage where I'm like, okay, I have to take some things by the reins here <laughs> because in the at the end of the day, it's most likely that you will be doing everything. So one thing I would say, especially in your younger years, you have to explore all of it and know everything about whatever kind of business you're going into. I think as artists, that is the most challenging thing. Um, but understand that even I mean, even the top artists probably know 75% of what's going on in their companies from an administrative perspective, or you might be that blessed individual that you don't have to worry about all these things and you can just be the artist, you know, but that's a very, very small percentage of the artists in the world, I would say. So, you know, if you're uh, an artist in particular, that's trying to build something or trying to make your voice heard, I think you have to know everything about marketing, grant writing, public speaking skills, communications, like how do you contact, how do you expand your network, like all these business and administrative things that we're not really trained in very well, nor do we have expert expertise in. So podcasts are a great resource. So you just have to find like what's going to taking workshops, you know, I, I, taking nonprofit business classes, or if it's not something artistic, just understand that you ha still have to know all those things about whatever you're pursuing and to try to um, expand your knowledge like as quickly as possible. And then the other side of that is, and this is what other people tell me, it's never easy. Like it's never going to be easy. You always have to keep pursuing. And actually I was um, looking up, I don't know, I think my new word is perseverance <laughs> because it's actually an odd <laughs> definition. So what like perseverance is, you know, you kind of think about like the forger or header, you know? So the definition of perseverance is persistence in doing something despite difficulty or delay in achieving success. Mm. And so I feel like 
<laughs> my whole life feels like this. So it's always really surprising whenever, you know, I appreciate your reflections because I, I also, you know, I, I still have the big vision. I still have places I'm not yet at personally, financially, business wise, you know, all these things. And I, I think the idea of perseverance, especially sometimes with this like younger generation, you know, it's like you have to keep doing it even if you don't achieve your success. And so then you have to ask yourself, why are you doing it? Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's like you have to enjoy and you won't enjoy all the things and aspects about it, but you have to kind of find ways to enjoy it because, or else you'll just be miserable, you know, because you're comparing yourself constantly to the idea that you haven't achieved something. So aside from knowledge and trying to learn all the things, I would say, understanding that anything you're going to strive for is going to take that what it's called perseverance and sometimes we don't understand that I romantically knew that in college but then you like start to live it and it's like oh wait this isn't actually that fun so, <laughs> you know you have to you have to find you know how you're gonna um persevere through it yeah, yeah. And definitely latch on to the good moments and lean into those and, mm -hmm. and savor them and think about like yes. what I have accomplished. Yeah, it's amazing. exactly. That is actually, yes, my therapist told me that. <laughs> she was like, Shana, you, you just listed like a thousand things and I'm just blown away. Like, what are you talking about? You're not accomplished. And it's like, you know, because it's not, I haven't achieved the other things that I wanted, you know, or whatever it is. So you can always do that. And like you said, I think also maybe because of the big vision or where you want to get to, you you really do pass over those, like you don't realize what you are achieving when you're achieving it. So I think taking a moment, if you have a big sales day, you got to like, you know, express that and like take a moment to be like, yes, this was a big deal. You know, yeah. my first project, my first grant, big deal. Like I didn't, yes, I didn't. Yeah appreciate it in that way you know so well it's hard too when you are sort of like the solo person in your company right that, that's fully invested you're the name so it's like you got to pat yourself on the back sometimes and that's really hard to do it's yeah. different when you have you know an environment of a full team and everybody's cheering and has a little happy hour um but you know being on your own, you have to be your own champion, your own cheerleader, and definitely, yeah, persevere. And especially even in the arts, like, oh yeah, because everything in the arts, you you are looking for outside recognition and validation. Mm -hmm. I mean, even like if you think about grant writing or asking for money, it's like you have to constantly be trying to prove to people why arts matter, then why you matter. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's like it's not even just like what you do. It's like the, the whole, you know, idea of being an artist or whatever. So, yeah. And I think that's applicable to anything that you're creating in the world. It's like if you're for profit based and trying to generate sales, it's still like you it's the validation of sales, you know, that gives yeah. you something back. So but you can't do it for that reason, you know, and that's that's, I think, like a lesson that is not really talked about necessarily, or maybe I just heard it, forgot it, and then I'm relearning <laughs> 20 years later. <laughs> but yeah, I guess it's one of those things too, that without it, you would feel probably lost, or at least, you know, like you're, you're not living out your yes. full potential, right? Absolutely. So regardless of maybe the, the, uh, the obstacles that you have to overcome and the divine dissatisfaction, as Martha Graham would say, yeah. you're still 
there's still something in you that's tugging and you just can't walk away. You got it first. Absolutely. And I actually tell a lot of my students, my college age students, you know, that are pursuing dance. It's like, you have got to self reflect a lot. And every two years, every year, every two years, like, because you have to kind of know why you're doing this. And like you said, I do think there is an inherent internal desire and, and like the idea of being fulfilled. I've reflected on that in the past five years of my life. Like, you know, people are like, well, why don't you just do something else? You know, if, if you're this unhappy, you know, and it's like, because I, that makes me go insane. Like, I don't think I can do that. Other people can, and that's great. But it is important, I think, as an artist to continually understand yourself and know at what point you might want to either leave or put it aside to the side and do something else or pursue. Cause like we all have these strengths, you know, and they can fit multiple situations. So. Absolutely. And I mean, what you mentioned before about future goals too, you're already starting to think, you know, what, what next and what next under Shana Simmons dance, not just under Shana. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Mm -hmm. Well, it's so fun talking to you. Would you like to pitch social media website, something that our listeners can find you? Yeah. So we, I mean, it's pretty basic on Instagram. We are just at Shana Simmons dance. Um, Shana is spelled S H A N A and then S I M M O N S D A N C E. That's the the website as well. Shana Simmons dance.com. And then you can kind of just email us, you know, DM us. Facebook is the same Shana Simmons dance. (laughs) We always are posting and, you know, sign up for the email. That's one of the best ways to connect just so you keep in the loop. Um, We're always looking for volunteers for things, you know, ushers. I'm starting to do some dance classes and I'm also into Garuda, which is like a Pilates yoga fitness. So, you know, if you're interested in coming and moving with us in any kind of level, I know Megan does classes as well. So we've been in communication about doing things. Yeah. So I think that's the best way to keep in contact. Excellent. Well, wishing you much success in all of your future endeavors. I can't wait to see what you guys come up with next. It's always such a a thrill to see what the next project is that you release, but best wishes to you. And yes, keep on keeping on. Awesome. Thank you so much, Megan. Yeah. Your support is always appreciated. So no problem. Take care. Are you feeling stuck? Do you constantly battle procrastination? Are you hoping to achieve more, but just need that extra push? Then accountability can work for you. With my Accountability Buddy program, you will get one-on-one personalized schedules, check-ins, and solutions to help you reach your goals. Whether it be your health, relationships, career, or creative goals, the Accountability Buddy program will keep you on track and will keep it real. Visit pghdreamerproductions.com to sign up now for the affordable Accountability Buddy program. That's pghdreamerproductions.com to get started today. It's time to pave your own way.